Okay. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. And there's various translations that, uh, that actually almost all of them do justice to this scripture. Uh, it says, husbands, in the same way be considerate or uh, dwell with your wives with understanding or with knowledge. Doesn't it, some of you say with knowledge? I think the King James says with knowledge. Another translation say, dwell with your spouse or your wife with understanding. Okay? And treat them with respect as the weaker partner, or some say the weaker what? Vessel. And as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Let's pray. Father, I pray that our prayers would not be hindered and that we would treat our spouses, our wives, as you so desire. Lord, we know that way back in the days of old, Lord, during biblical times, the woman was considered just a little bit above a dog. And Father, that's the way it was. They would just have children and they would take care of the household. Lord, but this verse uh, just drastically changed it because they were considered heirs with the gracious gift of life. They were, they were co-heirs. And you had inaugurated this in. You'd brought this in, Lord God. The women had the same equality spiritually and especially heavenly as anyone else. And Lord, we pray, Father, for this sermon here today that it would be anointed of thee and blessed of thee. In your name we pray. And everybody together said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I'm going to utilize just a we had a little bit of, of an illustrated sermon. Not a whole lot, but I'm going to use this because the title of my sermon is Vaseball. Vaseball. V. Okay. Vaseball. Not baseball. Not baseball. Okay. That's the base with a B. This is a vase with a V. I better be careful with this thing because I have a tendency sometimes. <coughs> and this is not my vase. Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, I have, sometimes if I get a little excited, <laughs> the vase can be out at home plate. <laughs> now, we've been covering the life of David, so to speak. We've been on the, uh, the family series. Now, I know that today is Easter, but I've chosen to break from tradition and not really deal a lot with uh, the resurrection, so to speak, though we'll talk about it uh, a bit in the, in the sermon. But I know that most people come to church Families come to church on Easter, so I want to take advantage of the fact that we have a number of the families that are represented here today. We've been covering again the life of David and his family, and we've also found out that Christians breed and grow some dysfunctional families just as much as non-Christians. And we know that dysfunctional families are, are families that, that uh, you know, they're not too, they don't function too good due to various reasons, okay? Now... Today will be my last message that I'm going to concentrate on the man. Some of the men will go, ooh. Because we've been at the man for about the last three months. Right, guys? I mean, every other the man, the man, the man. <laughs> Some of the guys are going, wow. Uh, but don't, don't worry. Don't, you know, there'll still be a little bit dealing with the men. Uh, uh, but next week, well, actually, next week, Richard will be preaching. And we'll be in Los Angeles. But the following week, uh, I'll be coming back and we'll be dealing with the woman, Abigail. I'm going to be covering Abigail and the dysfunction found uh, within. That was one of David's wives. But we, we still want to stay on the life of, of David and his family. See, I've mentioned that Victory Outreach and the life of David have a lot of uh, similarities 
you know, with, you know, with themselves. If you study the life of David and his family, and you study the life of Victory Outreach, we have a whole lot of similarities. And when we examine ourselves and, and David closely, we can conclude that Victory Outreach does have a very, very powerful Davidic anointing. Okay? And while David did have a great number of good points, we've already seen throughout the pages of the scriptures that he was a total failure when it came to family. A total failure. I mean, he didn't have too much going for him in regards to family, and he paid the price. See, one thing that David was, though, was that he was a man of vision. And victory outreach, that's one of our strong points, vision, if not our strongest point. How many can say amen to that? I mean, we, we, have, we have pastors and ministers and laity throughout Victory Outreach that have a heavy, heavy, uh, powerful uh, anointing when it comes to vision. I mean, Pastor Sonny's probably one of the greatest in the whole world. Uh, so we have this God-given ability to see churches planted all over the world. We just got back from Manila. We have a church plant that this church has planted there. Uh, Russia, Italy, Alaska, China, Japan. India, Africa. We have this vision that will not allow nothing or no one to, to keep us from planting churches in every country on the globe. And many, many cities within those countries. Yet, while our vision enables us to see churches planted in the farthest places in this world, yet somehow we have failed to see inside the heart of the people who we should love the most. Man, I'm talking to the men again, our wives. We can see churches planted all over the world, but we can't even see inside the heart of our, of our wives, of our ladies. We can see around the world, but we can't see the inside of our spouses to see what they, what they need, to see where and why they hurt. We have big vision, but we can't even see inside the heart of our, our, our wives. See, we need to use and to utilize our powerful gift of vision to be able to, to look inside of our, of our spouse, look inside the wife. If we have such a great big vision, we should certainly be able to see inside their hearts. Now, what shall it profit a man, a mighty man of valor, as a matter of fact, if he win the whole world, yet lose his wife? Huh? And it's happened, it's happened before. Matter of fact, this sermon, I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to put parts of this sermon and other sermons that I've preached, and I intend to preach this sermon at the mighty men of valor. And this is one of the verses I'm going to use. What shall a prophet, a mighty man, to gain the whole world and lose his wife, lose his family? This is what the Apostle Peter, who himself was married and had a wife, is trying to get at here in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. He, you know, he denotes or he, or he, he gives just one verse there, to the husband. But it's a very, very powerful verse. See, Peter was married. He had a wife. He had a spouse. Peter was admonishing us men to dwell with our wives, it says there, with understanding, with knowledge, with consideration. And to be quite truthful, most men don't consider the wives into much of their plans inside of their lives. We don't know too much about our wives. And we understand very, very little about them. So this verse here is really quite an admonition to us men. Matter of fact, this, this is the verse that really, really floored me. It really, really got to me when I started reading it lately and recently. And that's why I want to bring it out here today. See, here is where we miss it. And Peter, being the husband and also being in ministry, he knew that. He knew that we don't 
understand, if we don't consider, and we don't dwell with our wives in knowledge as we should. He understood that very plainly. Okay? If there was ever a Christian individual, if there was ever a Christian man who understood the male ego, it was Peter. He knew all about the, 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 the you know, Christian man and the ego that he carries. See, today I've chosen Peter to be our biblical example because what I intend to bring out in this sermon, Peter is probably the best suited to provide the background for my message. See, Peter best exemplifies the mistake-prone male husband. Peter best exemplifies the mistake-prone Christian male husband. When we study Peter in the Gospels, he had the classic, I don't care attitude. Why is you don't have to answer this audibly or visibly, but inside your heart, which men fail to see. Uh, don't men, aren't men a lot like that? They have that I don't care attitude. They do something and so what? When I was growing up, many of you probably don't remember this, but when I was growing up back in Southern California, wherever that is, at 3.30 when we get home from school, they had the, the Lloyd Thaxton show. Does anybody remember? Would anybody remember Lloyd Thaxton? Anybody remember? Uh, David, you remember Lloyd Thaxton? Yeah, anybody here remember Lloyd Thaxton? Uh, okay, all right, David. Uh, man, if we get home at 3.30 from school, and we have the Lloyd Thaxton show. And the theme song, matter of fact, it was the Mixers from Oxnard, where I grew up, my neighborhood. The Mixers, they had a theme song called... Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. You'd have to know it, Peter. You know what the name of the song was? It didn't have no words. But the name of it was, So What? Man, So What? I grew up under Lloyd Thaxton's So What? See, ladies and the wives, is there anything scarier than living under a husband with that I don't care macho attitude? Is there anything scarier, ladies? No. When, you know, I don't, have, I don't care that I don't care attitude. I don't think there's anything scarier than living under that banner, that, that macho attitude. Why? Because the wives, they do care what happens to their family. They do care what happens to their husband. They do care what happens to their children. Wives care. So when the man and the male takes on that attitude of, I don't care, that scares them. They say, uh-oh, we're headed for trouble. Pride comes before destruction. See, Peter would say things first and not even consider, there's that word, not even consider the consequences. We're talking about the pre-resurrection Peter. Thank God for the resurrection. If you study the Gospels, before the resurrection, Peter was quite a character. But after the resurrection is when he changed. Thank God for the resurrection. When God is able to come in and dwell inside a person's heart and change an individual's life. Uh, but again, the pre-resurrection Peter, he would act, say things first, and not even consider the consequences. Why? Why should he have to? He was tough enough to handle the stuff. I mean, I'm Peter. Look, I'm bad. Uh, but men, we too often fail to understand that once we're married, our decisions affect a number of people, not just yourself. You're not by yourself anymore. The decisions that a, that a husband makes affects the whole family, and even more so. Uh, not just ourselves anymore. But Peter was not only a sayer, he was a doer as well. He would not only say things, he would do things. 
uh, without even thinking about the consequences. The Bible says he chopped off a guy's ear off one time when they came to arrest Jesus. Very impulsive, because he thought he was right. Why have you ever had your husband do some crazy, crazy things because they think they're right? That was my right away, and I'm going to direct the car. If the guy pulls in front of him, yeah, I was right. Am I right? Right, ladies? I mean, you'll chop off of somebody's ear. We do things impulsively without thinking. Uh, this was the pre-resurrection days. Uh, and during those times, there was no telling what Peter was capable of doing or committing. Why? Because he had the careless attitude. Could care less. He wouldn't take things into consideration. See, here in 1 Peter 3, 7, in his post-resurrection days now, okay, and now that, now that he's saved and born again and full of the Holy Ghost, in 1 Peter 3, 7, Peter tells us, all us husbands, to be considerate, to get to know and to understand our wives as the weaker vessel. And the word vessel in the Greek is a word called vas, or vas, that we say, okay, and that's why I've given the title of my sermon, baseball, not baseball. Okay, we're supposed to treat them as the weaker vase. Beautiful. But some of them treat our wives like the base. Woman! Submit! Did I tell you what the Bible say? We'll even throw scripture at it. The Bible says you're supposed to... You're out of here! You umpire you. Ah. See, most men are extremely, extremely insensitive and inconsiderate. We much too often feel, or excuse me, we fail to see the deep hurts and the intense fears that we are continually creating within our wives. Intense fears. You don't even know what, you know, remember, instead of saying, how are you today, they say, who are you today? Because we can either be Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde. They don't know who we're going to be. So they, they live in fear, insecurities. Years ago, there was a song, getting back to Lloyd Thaxton. There was a song, I think it was back in the 60s. Treat her like, treat her like a lady. Uh, anybody remember, treat her like a lady? And the last words were, and she'll be good to you. Treat her like, treat her like a lady, and she'll be good to you. Okay, and that's so true. See, most of the guys that I knew, okay, they all knew the words to that song. But unfortunately, that's all they knew. The words. Treat her like a lady. They just knew the words. But we failed to take heed to Peter's words and get to know and to understand our ladies, our wives. We just knew the words, but we didn't put them into action. Instead of treating her like a lady, we treat her like one of the guys. Listen, singles, listen to me, listen to me. I'm trying to tell you guys something. Those who are not married, you better listen. Uh, you can, I can save you a lot of headaches. And, and, and I can, I can, you'll have tons of kisses awaiting you. If you just take heat. And then also do who we're bringing out here today. Uh, but we treat it, instead of treating her like a lady, we treat her like one of the guys. I know because I did that. My wife can tell you that. I did that for a number of years. I've done it. I've been there, done that. We think we can act with our wives the way we act with the guys. 
Not so. Uh, we, we think we treat her like just, ah. See, First Peter instructs us to treat them as the tender gender. I like that one. The tender gender, the weaker vase, the weaker vessel. But we want her to be like one of the fellas. And go along with the jokes and the ribbings. Uh, come on, honey, take it like a man. You could do it. I got faith in you. I'm praying for you. Uh, we fail to understand they're the weaker vessel. They are so sensitive. So, oh, guys, if you learn anything, learn, they are sensitive. We expect them to, you know, oh, come on. I mean, when I was growing up, I was a real, real shy guy. I couldn't, you know, there's one young lady that's here that she grew up in my neighborhood, she knows. Uh, but, uh, you know, I can run, when it comes to running with the guys, I can run with the best. I've always done that. I can run with the ruggedest, toughest, rugged. That's the way I was. I was, you know, I was, I was quick, I, was, I could run with the toughest guys. And, uh, you know, I, but the minute a woman would come around, I'd freeze. So like, you know, I'd feel like, wow, you know. And so then I'd say things, hey, we want to run with us, eh? And we'll take it. Uh, we fail to realize that they're very sensitive. Uh, see, that's not dealing or dwelling with your wife in understanding. It only proves that we haven't taken the time to understand our wives. With our men friends, if they're wearing something that we think is a bit odd, We'll, we'll, we'll crack a wisecrack in a hot second. Where'd you get that? Uh, man, what, what are you doing? Look at that, man. Where'd you get that? At, at your grandmother's uh, blue light special sale? Look at you, man. Uh. Now, while we can get away with that with our friends, not with your wife. I mean, you just look at it like... You have to tell nothing. You can't say nothing. Just... They'll feel all he, you know, you don't like this? Oh, no, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> I mean, they are so sensitive, you know. She, they start looking like, oh, man, huh? <laughs> See, we need to think before we talk, or even look. <laughs> but like the pre-resurrection Peter, we have a heavy tendency to spurt out the wrong thing. And then we blame their sensitivity for the silent treatment that we're going to get that might even last for weeks. And all we did was, so we did. But man, the, we'll have us, and then, and you, listen, man, understand, that's why we're, we're, we're going to be having the silent treatment because we brought it upon ourselves. Some things are better left unsaid. See, it's our fault, guys. It's not her fault. She's just the weaker vessel. The Bible tells us that. They are sensitive. But we don't understand that. We're in trouble. See, be careful with the comments that we make. Things regarding her personal being. Some of them are better left unsaid. Because women take things real personal. Uh, men, men, we can, you know, we can hang. We can take it. But be careful with the woman. Then one other super important thing that we need to realize and that we need to understand and know and to consider regarding the vase is they are not as independent as men are. They're not. Some of them might look like it and they, oh man, look at her. She's got her own car, her own keys, her own car. They are not as independent as us guys. 
Not at all. See, we can pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and go on and on and on and on and on until we end up shipwrecked or, or emotionally bankrupt at a, at a dead end where I'm at. And we can go on. We'll put it in reverse. Uh, we're going to get, get there. That's why we never ask for directions. We can go on and on and on. Uh, do you see that car go by here backwards? Well, where are they going? He, but he knows. He knows. He, he'll get there. Uh, <laughs> we can pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and go on. Uh, but not with the women. See, we can go on without any strokes of love and affection. But so what? So what? We're rugged. We're tough. We're men. And we can take it. See, men tend to be very super independent. But women need love. They need affection like nobody's business. Look at Ephesians 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Am I right, ladies? Women need that, that tender, they're that tender gender. They need that love, that affection. Ephesians chapter 5, I'm going to read verses 25, 28, and 33. Three verses. Do you have it? Verse 25 of Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives. Verse 28. In the same way husbands ought to love their wives. Verse 33. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself. See, there's a reason why the Bible gives more admonition to the man or to the husband to love our wives. And the reason is very obvious to any woman. They, they, they know why. Any woman can, can answer that. And it's because women have a great, great capacity to love and to be loved. Am I right, ladies? Uh, they, they have a, it's already in there. They have a capacity to, to, to receive love and to give love. Love comes more natural to the woman. It comes a lot easier to a woman. So Paul is telling us men, Love your wife. Love your wife. Love your wife. Again, I say, love your wife. I repeat, just in case you didn't get it. Love your wife. I mean, three times, love your wife. Love your wife. Hey, dummy, love your wife. Wake up and smell the roses. Love your wife. See, because for women, it comes naturally. They're gonna, they love you, oh, yes, honey, yeah. uh, until you really, really burn them. And we covered that last time I was here. When we really, when the woman's had it, but let's not, not deal with that one, all right? I've had it, yeah, I've had it. It's another song. See, Paul knew a wife can never get enough love. You could never, you could never give her enough love. Believe me, they have a great capacity to receive love. They could never get enough of that funky stuff. And we're covering all kinds of songs here today. Uh, so go ahead and love them, Paul says. Love them, love them. Women need affection. They need attention. Women need affirmation. Boy, you look good today. Wow. I'm glad you cut your hair. I love it when you cut your hair. Ah, uh, man. See, we're the ones who need the rebuke and the admonition to love, guys. That's what Paul tells us. Because uh, we, need, Paul knows, by the way, the male mentality. Uh, he, we need to take that rebuke. We need to take that admonition to love our wives. 
because we're quite naturally independent and we can go through life pretty much alone. Ask your TV set. He'll tell you. There he is again. He's going to change me, change me, change me. He hates commercials. Here he is. Okay. Oh, we're going to be here for a long fellowship. Uh, so how many hours are going to be today, sir? See, your TV knows you better than your wife sometimes. Oh, I should make the altar call now. Uh, I should put it on the VCR. Maybe you'd pay attention. Uh, yeah, yeah. See, we can do these things alone, but not the vase. They can't. We need to learn that, men. When I first got saved, can't have the same. And I meant it. It was good and bad. But when I first got saved, my wife can attest to this. I used to have the saint because I was in the home. I used to tell people when I'd be witnessing, I'd say, you know what, man? You can throw me in a hole in Folsom Prison and just give me a Bible and I'll be okay. And I meant every word I said. And it's because now I was born again, I was saved. I had the Spirit of God living inside of me. I knew what life was all about. I had purpose. And in fact, as long as I could have the Bible and grow spiritually, I'm going to be okay. Uh, but not a woman. Men, write these five write these things down, guys. I'm going to give you the five, the five needs of a woman. The top priority needs of a woman. Number one, affection. Number two, conversation. Number three, honesty and openness. Number four, financial support. And number five, family commitment. I'm going to repeat them again. But women, am I not right? Uh, the number one thing a woman needs is affection. Uh, right? Try a little tenderness. Ooh, she may grow weary. Young girls, they do get weary. We're in that same old funky dress. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that is the worst of but oh, if you just try a little tenderness, you got to love her, squeeze her, never leave her. You got to, got to, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, it works, guys. It works. Uh, affection. Number two, conversation. What meaning life has assured when God gave you to me? I mean, listen, guys, I mean, we have conversation, you know, to fill volumes. But when it comes to our wives, we just sit there. Hey, how's it going? Uh-huh. Mm, nah, mm, mm. But we get with the fellas. Oh, yeah. And we got to utilize our, 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 our faculties. And we got to utilize our heart towards our, our women. Man, can I thank God for the songs that he's given me for my wife? How because I used to write songs, I used to write poetry, I used to write all this different stuff in the world for various reasons. But man, we gotta we gotta utilize our energies towards our wife. Right after God comes our wife, our families. Conversation number three: honesty and openness. I mean, I had, and I still have. I know. See, every man has an Achilles heel, these weaknesses in your life, and I had this heavy weakness. I still do. I'm not gonna lie, uh, but I've learned to patch it up and deal with it. But man, I. I when, my, when it first came out in our, in our life, in our, in our marriage life, I thought, oh, she's going to leave me. You picked the right time to leave me, Lucille. Uh, you're going to leave. You're going to, you know, 
And then I, I finally said, you know, uh, you know, after I almost had my hands on the cookie jar, and I said, you know what, honey? I have this area that I'm just, because of my past, I am so weak in. She just goes, I know. And I looked at the door and she didn't leave. She was still sitting there. You know, guys, be open. Be honest. They already know anyway. They don't make the mistake that we do. They dwell with us in understanding and consideration uh, and knowledge. They already know you good. Ah. Uh, we need to be open with them and say, okay, I'm going to back your play. I'm with you in this thing. Then they need financial support. Some of the biggest reasons why we have divorces and, and arguments is because we don't take care of them financially. And then number five is family commitment. See, the number one reason for an extramarital affair is not because the other person was better looking than you guy. It's not the reason. So I was like, oh, look at him. Uh, guys get so jealous. Oh, look at him. You know, I'm gonna, I wanna lift weights. And I'm gonna grow a fake mustache. And I. That's not why she'll leave you. That's not why is the number one reason for an extramarital affair. You know what the number one reason is for an extramarital affair? Because the wife, their needs were not getting met. Get met, it pays. Get met. Ladies, are we on target here today? Yeah. Boom. Ah. I'm telling you. See, guys, we reap what we sow. When we're treating our wife as we should, you're going to reap the benefits. You'll reap the whirlwind of blessings. Of blessings. You'll have so many kisses, you won't know what to do with them. You'll have to store them up in a storehouse. Uh, that's going to happen. Uh, and you know, one of the, the number two need for a man is sexual intimacy. Matter of fact, I think it's number one. Uh, you guys. You guys. Uh, but that'll be taken care of if you take care of your little honey. Uh, that'll be taken care of. You'll reap the whirlwind of blessings, of kisses. See, when we're planting good seeds into our spouses, it makes her so much more enjoyable to live with. Okay, ladies, I'm going to give you one more chance. When we're planting good seeds into our wives, it makes them so much more enjoyable to live with. Ah, you'll come home and they'll have breakfast in bed. And it's nighttime. Wow. Huh? If you go, you know, and she'll have everything ready, and ooh, you know, and, and she might even give you your channel check. Uh. <laughs> uh, bronzed or something. Ay, ay, ay. They're much more enjoyable because you're, you're planting and you're going to reap good stuff. There's a woman by the name of Ruth Ryan. Her husband's name is Nolan. Men, you all know who Nolan Ryan is, right? I mean, this guy has almost every strikeout record in the book. Now, Nolan, he set a number of pitching records. But the thing that most stands out on his wife's, on his, the, the, the mind of his wife, was that in each ball game, during one inning or another, Nolan would pop his head out from 
behind the dugout and he'd scan the stands looking for his wife. Then he'd find her. Then he'd give her a nod like, ah, there you are. And, and I'm glad. She'd smile and wave back. She'd smile. This is an animated sermon here, you know. Then he'd duck back under the dugout. Ruth Ryan would go on to say that it was just a simple moment. It was never in any major league record book what he would do. But to her, to her, it was a very, very special moment. The most important moment. Bigger than any no-hitter. Bigger than any win. Bigger than any strikeout. To her, it was her moment. That's not baseball. That's baseball. That's baseball. <laughs> Dwell with your wife in understanding. See, I'm just barely beginning to understand that. My wife can attest to that. You know, I haven't been too understanding at all. As much as I could be and as much as I should be. But one thing I do understand is that I couldn't have made it this far in Christianity without my wife. I understand that. There's no way, no way on earth. Because though I may not know her as good as I'm going to, and that's a commitment, I do know me. Very good. So with that, I want to become one of the best baseball players in all of America. Maybe even make the all-star team. The Hall of Fame. Amen. And the who's who of baseball. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. So what'll it be, guys? Wanna play ball? Batter up. Batter up. I want every hit bowed. And they ride close. That includes.